All righty, everyone. This is Jim Collins, and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit. Uh, tonight we have a special guest on night as always uh, tonight is a little bit different uh, because this is going to be the beginning the first uh, interview of the uh, journey to the pit marathon that we're going to be doing about 10 interviews in a row so tonight we have Jay Riddles on from um, from pride Hawk pride uh, game farm and uh, we're going to bring him in in a second here Oh, just give me one second. But I uh, hope y'all guys are all tuning in. Uh, tonight will be the first night. Actually, we'll be uh, doing the live stream on Journey to the Pit um, 362 fan page. And the reason why we moved it over here um, and took it away from um, hosting it on my Jim Collins personal page uh, was because many people who are not on my friends list could not comment uh, on the interview. So uh, we moved it over to the Journey to the Pit fan page. And this way it doesn't require uh, you to be on my friends list in order for you to comment. So that's great. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and bring Jay Riddles in uh, in a second. Just trying to wait a few minutes to let everybody get logged on. Because like I said, this is our first time of doing uh, this interview uh, from this Journey to the Pit fan page. Everything is looking good. Uh, Jay is on standby. Uh, waiting to be brought in on the interview, which we are all excited uh, to to um, be doing this uh, interview uh, tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring Jay Riddles in. Guys, if y'all have any comments or questions, uh, please feel free to post them down in a comment. We will try to answer maybe some a few questions tonight. Uh, you know, typically we don't answer a lot of questions during the interviews due to the fact that um, the interviews typically go long enough. And uh, when we start to get into answering questions and stuff, you know, these interviews can go over two hours uh, long. So uh, but let me go ahead and bring our special guest in tonight. Um, hope you all guys enjoy this special show that we have tonight and our special guest. So here we go. Hello, Mr. J. Riddles. How you doing this evening? Doing fine, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, the audio and everything is good on your end. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I hear you good. All right, good, man. We already got people logging in and watching so far, which is great. Um, just want to go ahead and introduce our special guest tonight. You know, y'all guys have seen a post that I have been posting over the last week about our special guest. Uh, many of you guys know him. Um, he go by the name of Jay Riddles of Hawk Pride Game Farms. And, and, and Jay, where are you located out of? Is it Kentucky or Tennessee? I'm from Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Okay, Alabama. You know, I've been trying to put all these darn interviews together this week and people from all over. So you're from Alabama. What part of Alabama are you from? Tuscumbia. Tuscumbia. Okay. How far is that from Birmingham? Uh, probably two and a half hours. Is is it south or is it? Uh, yeah, south. No, we know okay, it's south. No, we're north, north of Birmingham. Mm hmm. Okay, because I've been in the South, and I'm like, huh, all right, so you North. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead, and before we get started, you know, I always talk about uh, South Disclaimer to make sure that everybody is clear that all the information discussed in this interview is for historical, educational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this information is intended for any illegal purposes, and all opinions are respected of the individual. So now we can get the rocking and rolling. So, Jay, why don't you go ahead and get us started off with, uh, how old were you, you know, when you got into game foul, are you a first generation, second generation cocker? Let's kind of start off with your back history so you can kind of walk us through the whole story. Well, first time I ever seen 
chickens fight was uh when i was probably about six year old uh my uncle uh was in the game foul oh, he wasn't okay. in it steadily he was in it you know right. in and out he was more of a hacker okay know? and uh my first uh seeing them was uh of my dad and my uncle uh doing them up under a house in a basement Wow. So that was your first time. You said you was about six years old? Yeah, six or seven years old. Uh, we'd, wow. we'd climb up under the houses and, and catch them because they'd run because they was fighting barnyards and, you know, each other. And, and right. then, uh, then my dad found a guy that uh, had game chickens. And once they got that game chicken, they whooped everything my uncle could get, you know, and we'd eat the others. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you kind of. Well, I ain't going to say, I guess you can kind of say, you know, uh, second generation, but it seems like your dad actually got, was not into the um, game foul. Actually, y'all kind of, well, I ain't going to say started at the same time because you was only six years old, but your dad and your uncle kind of got into it as you were growing up. Yeah, yeah, they played around with it. And then then later on, when I was about 14 or 15 year old, I went to a hack fight. And uh, that day I seen them, I, I bought me one. Uh, you bought you one. What now? Have you always been located in Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, from Alabama. Okay, okay. Well, you know, uh huh. Yeah, from Alabama. I've so, always lived in Alabama. Always lived in Alabama. So um, I, I guess the first time you seen them, it kind of captivated you, and you were just like hooked from that point on, huh? Oh, yeah. I, from that day on, I, I just started accumulating, you know, birds. Uh, I seen that one I bought that day win three fights in a row, and the uh, guy sold it to me probably thought it wouldn't live, you know. Right. And, uh, so that's how you got your first one? Yeah, $25. $25. Well, tell me this, Jay. Do you remember uh, who your uncle and your father kind of got their first chickens from? Well, the. I don't know where they was getting the barnyards, but the first game chicken they ever bought was from uh, Jimmy Triplett. Uh, say that name one more time. Jimmy Triplett. Jim, Jimmy Triplett. Okay, yes, was he sir. also located in Alabama? Yes, sir. So so what did they kind of start off with? Did they buy a trio or they just went and bought a couple stags or what did they start off with? Well, they just buying them to hack into each other, you know. And right. And uh then I started going to the hack fight with my uncle over, and from then on, it was hack fights, and then, uh, you know, up to the derbies. Up to the derbies, up to the derbies. So tell me this, did your father uh, kind of get more deeper into it as you grew older, or, you know? Well, once I got into it, then then me and him partnered up later on. Right, uh, And uh, right. started raising, he had... Uh, probably 150, 200 at his place, and, and I had that many or maybe a few more at my place. Okay, okay, okay. So that's kind of how you – so y'all guys kind of, I would say, kind of grew into it uh, both together, huh? As you got older, he got deeper into it. You obviously got deeper into it, and that's kind of how y'all guys kind of set the foundation, huh? Yep. Yep. Tell me this, uh, as you grew older, um, who do you remember purchasing your first, like, first game chickens from when you really kind of got serious, besides the hack birds, or did you convert the hack birds into the derby birds over time? Well, I tried to uh, 
the ones I'd buy, you know, get out and run around and find. I tried breeding one of those to a hen a guy'd give me, and uh, they was both red, and they come out doms, and uh, they was faster than a mustang. Uh, you couldn't catch what? So uh, <laughs> you said you couldn't catch them, huh? No, my uncle knew uh, Billy James and uh, Bruce uh -huh. James up on the mountain. And uh, I went up there with him, and uh, I ended up getting a getting a rooster from uh, from Bruce, and got my hens okay. from Billy James, and uh, that's when I started okay. raising the real stuff, you know. And that's so. Uh, so, how old do you think you were around that time? Uh, probably uh, seventeen, eighteen year old. So that's when you kind of got your real game chickens from some real breeders at that time. Yeah, I'd, I'd been just mostly hacking. I'd uh, fought a couple, you know, well, three right. derbies before then. Uh, three derbies got, before then. Got lucky and won all three of those with chickens. I'd just find, you know, uh, out searching for them, see them on the strings and stop and ask, you know, uh, if they wanted to sell any. Right, right. And and I'm going to get to the part where you just left off the Billy James thing. But let's back up a little bit because I want to talk about, you know, what you when you had your hack chickens, you end up winning. You said three derbies with your hack chickens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first time I, I went down to Granville Hester's place. That's been okay. years ago. That's back in the early 90s. And uh, let's say and went five straight down there. Didn't know a thing about it chicken won it solo it wasn't but uh i think it was 18 entries in it it was small derby <laughs> okay. but uh i soloed okay. it and i didn't know a thing about a chicken then not that uh, so tell me how old were you back then uh about 18 year old so about 18 years so we got to walk the guests through this you know so we they can make sure they understand you kind of you went won a derby like you said about 18 entries um and these were birds that you considered back then hack hack chickens. And it was from, you know, you would ride around Alabama, or at least in your area, and see birds out on cocks out on a tie cord and uh going over and ask them to buy them, huh? So that's how you acquired them. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'd get out and hunt them country roads and find them, you know, or my uncle would tell me where something was at and I'd just knock on the door or catch a guy outside and ask him, you know, would he sell me some? And and usually, you know, uh, a lot of them try to just put them one items on you and, and them rough ones, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't care back then, you know, I just wanted roosters. You just and, wanted uh, roosters. And so, so you basically didn't know what you were buying, like as far as bloodlines, you just knew you was just buying a rooster. Game roosters, but uh, ones I won that first derby with uh, was a guy down in Cherokee. His name was Ronnie James, and he wasn't no kin to Billy, but he had got some uh, hatch blood from Billy James and bred it to okay. Brother Roundhead. And I okay. bought uh, I bought uh, about ten roosters from him, and uh, then here and there I picked up some, you know. And I think I I had like four that come from him was half Billy James hatch, you know, and uh, right. Which around here, everybody that had chickens, any that wanted to sell chickens, would would say Billy James, you know, because uh, they knew it was sell then, huh? Yeah, well, it was gonna sell to me regardless, you know. <laughs> I didn't care if it was <laughs> Frank James, I'd buy them. Anyway. <laughs> so, so tell me this, Jay. So you get through, you 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 win your first, uh, you soloed your first derby. 
you said it was a small derby by 18 entries. But what I would like the viewers to understand or at least listen to is the story behind that. Like you said a few minutes ago that you didn't know anything really about, uh, 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 I guess uh, you would say pointing or feeding out or anything like that. This was your first derby. You didn't know anything about how to feed or anything like that. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, I found a, about a half a page of a Gamecock book. And it had the ingredients for a keep, and uh, I went by it. It didn't tell you how to, how to, how much to feed them or whatever. It just had the ingredients. It had on there uh, milk, uh, uh, popcorn, and uh, your feed. You know your feed mixture, which I got all that right. and mixed it up. And uh, I didn't know the difference in it. I, I got me some whole milk out of a gallon, and uh, I didn't know how to feed it. I just waited till the night before the derby. And uh, I, with the popcorn, I popped it, and uh, I didn't know no better. I popped the popcorn, and then uh, fed them the pop popcorn, and then uh, after that, I got up about three o'clock in the morning. We was leaving out at four thirty. I got up, and went up there, and give them a, all a teaspoon of uh, whole milk and chopped up egg whites. And uh, chopped up I, egg whites, but. Make sure I want to make sure everybody hear the fact that you said that, you know, you, you the way you kind of did your feeding, you got a, a, a page that you found out of a game cop and it had just the ingredients, not how much to feed or anything like that. And one of the ingredients was uh, popcorn. And you said you actually popped the popcorn and yeah. fed it to the to, to the rooster. You didn't even realize that. They meant to give them the kernels because you didn't know. You didn't know, right? You had never fed out no chickens. No, uh, uh, I figured that's the way I liked it. I figured that's the way they, <laughs> they needed to get it. <laughs> that is amazing. So you actually popped the popcorn and they ate it. Yeah, yeah. I broke it up small for them and they, they eat the crap out of it. They probably was hungry. Get out of here. So tell me this, Jay. So... Then you said you fed them whole milk and and, and, and and chopped egg whites, right? Yeah. And you didn't even, did it say whole milk or did it just say milk? It said uh, milk on it. It uh, said uh, one, you needed a can of milk. It said can of milk, but I didn't have no can of milk. So I used milk, whole milk. That's all I had, you know. Right. I right, didn't figure it right. mattered. I'm I mean, if it come in a can or in a jug. That's right. That is the most amazing story I have heard. So you got a a a a page that you found out of a gamecock. Um, it had the ingredients on it. Uh, the ingredients were popcorn. Did it tell you when to feed, or what? You know, when you were, when you were supposed to feed that stuff? No, it was just a just had the mixture down through there. How to mix your feed, and then uh, you know your point feed was the popcorn and. And uh, I just mixed it up best I know how because I didn't know anything, you know. Just got lucky. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then you said you went on to the derby and you, and you soloed it. Even, you know, it was a small derby, but still doesn't matter if it's big or small. I mean, you still soloed it. And uh, and you did it. And it would tell me this. Uh, how was the birds acting? You know, when it was showtime, how were they acting? Now that we know what you used to point them out, you know, how were they acting? They, they was acting sharp now. They, uh, they were, every, huh? They all, uh, every one of them won in the flight except for uh, one uh, went about two hours in the drag against uh, Mr. Lewis Beard. 
and it was a $15 white rooster. A $15 white rooster. You won with him in two hours in a drag. Yep. Wow. You know, I, I know this story is, is, is you know, you, you've been through it and you know, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people watching is going to be fascinated um, that, that it is. So tell me this. Uh, in a keep, you know, back then, you not knowing anything. Did you even put a keep on them? I, I wrapped some tin around a, some trees, you know, it was, and built tin around and just stretched water over and cut holes and got them out with nets. And uh, my what? keep, I, I tie a 20-foot string to their leg and throw them up in there as many times, you know, as I, as till they got plumb more out. Get out of here. So you tied a string to their legs and threw them in the air to, to work them out back then. Yeah. And then after that, my uncle started doing it, and we had to get the uh, uh, ladder, go up the pole and get his down. He got it caught over the power line. <laughs> you got to be joking. Yeah. He threw him up that. He threw him up, and I guess he kept on going, huh? Yeah, he hung him over the power line. Wow. That is and some I, history there. When you sit back and think about that and look back, I know you got to shake your head, huh? Yeah, yeah, we 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 put them gloves on them things and and we'd let them spar until they couldn't hit a dang lick. I mean, they was in shape time we took them. Wow! And you said you when you worked them, y'all, and again, you not knowing, you're kind of just know. doing this all on a win, huh? Yeah, I didn't know nothing. I nobody told me nothing. I mean, I just didn't even know what a derby was until that first, and I went to. It, it was real wow. exciting, I'll tell you, to win that thing. That gave you a lot of confidence, did it? Yeah. Tell me this. When, after that first derby, did you change anything, or, or did you think you had it all right since you won? Oh, I had it right. I thought I was good, you know, but uh, we uh, right. we, we tried the same roosters, which none of them got hurt size one, you know, that and Lewis Beard cut all the pieces but uh we put them same roasters up and one that was real cold you know when uh my dad had an idea let's get some heating pads warm their feet up so that didn't work right. out too good they was so dry they couldn't cut paper what so yeah. he used he he went it was real cold out so your father suggested that y'all use some heating pads yeah we put uh heating pads under the straw on every chicken you know and dried them up i guess you know it had to be what it was Wow, and y'all seen a complete difference the next time y'all went around. Oh, yeah, we come home with our heads hung down a little lower this time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me something. Back then, did, did you know, what What did y'all guys go through the process to kind of figure out, you know, like, what did we do wrong? What did we do different, you know, that, that made this outcome the way it is now? Ah. Uh, I, I figured it out later on in the years thinking about it, but uh, back in, I right. didn't know what had happened. I just know that I said, them things were no count this time, you know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, that's right. I understand. And the only reason I actually don't question because, again, you were, you were figuring this out as you was going along. So I was just interested, you know, how long did it take you? But I guess, um, you know, once you got older and got more experience, you can kind of reflect back and see the things that, you know, that, that, you, that you maybe did wrong. That yeah, caused well, that outcome. We know we didn't want no more heating pads after that. I know that, you know. <laughs> and y'all put the heating pads, you said, because it was so cold, huh? It was cold. 
and uh, we didn't have no place for them or nothing. I, I'd found an old bookshelf laying outside the road that had them big holes in it, you know, split right. up in half. Stuffed them up in there and nailed wire over and pulled the nails down to get them out. That's all we had with a tarp over Wow. That is amazing. That's the history of just the good old days. Yeah. Wow. So, so tell me this. You know, um, you talked a little bit about, you know, now we can kind of fast forward uh, back where we left off is uh, you said, uh, Mr. Billy James, you had got some roosters or you got a hen from him and and then you got a, a, a stag or a cock from someone else. Tell us that how that how that all started. Well, uh, went up and visit uh, Billy and met Billy and stuff, which I'd seen him at the Derby before, you know, but didn't really know who he was and uncle took him took me up there and i met billy and then we went over billy's brother's house bruce so i ended okay. up uh buying a rooster from bruce and uh the hens billy just give me the hens uh, okay and i crossed them hen hatch hens over a round head kill so rooster and okay them roosters right there was about unstoppable back in uh, well, tell me this. What were they? We know who they came from. Were they hatches, Kelsos? What, like, what were they? Well, the roaster was a roundhead and Kelso, and uh, the hens were uh, half Curtis Blackwell and half Billy James McLean, and uh, made them a quarter Kelso, quarter roundhead, and uh, half McLean, two different McLeans. Two different McLeans, huh? Yeah. Okay, tell me this. Tell me this, Jay. So, you know, how did they look? Uh, they, Where they, they was a, every one of them white-legged, uh, some of them dark, dark shawl, and some of them light shawl, you know, white tail feather. It looked like uh, uh, kind of either a Kelso or a roundhead, they all did. They kind of looked like a Kelso or roundhead, huh? Yeah. What was, what was the station on them? Like, how were they built? They was about medium station. About medium station? Small, medium station roasters, about 4.9 to 4.12, biggest. Wow, so they were that small, huh? Mm-hmm. They had good legs on them. These good-made roosters, they're just small weights, you know. They were just small. And, and tell me this, Jay, what, what do you think the smallness came from? Any particular bloodline in, in, in that that you think maybe that the size? Oh, time of the year. Time of the year, I hatched them off. I got them later in the year. Okay. Okay, so that was kind of just a hatch thing that, that made them kind of small like that because they not they normally a little bigger than that, huh? Oh, yeah. The brood roaster was probably 5'2", and, you know, the hens was pretty good size. So time of the right. year, I hatched them off late. Right, right. Okay, so, so tell me this, Jay. So w was that kind of the start of that line right then, you know, where you started to – kind of shifted into the next gear well that's the start i started with billy and and bruce and and went from there you know and got some pure blood from billy and uh uh pure kelsos and then i had his pure hatch and and uh well i had probably a little bit of everything he had at one time you know right right so I that's found... kind of where you was just getting all your brood stock from yeah yeah, yeah so well... tell me that it Tell was me this, the go-to spot, Jim, back in. That was the best place to get them. That was the best place to get them. And, and listen, while we're talking about Mr. Billy James, can you, you know, tell us a little bit about him since that's kind of was, 
your your I ain't gonna say mentor at the beginning, but somebody you establish your relationship from to start to get your brood foul from. So tell us a little bit about Mr. Billy James. Well, Billy was about as nice a fella you could ever meet, and and generous, and I, I mean everybody that talked to him, you know, he he talked to him like his his best friend, you know, he just treated everybody like kin folk, you know, and mm -hmm. and uh, he was a real chicken man. Now he he sure had a good winning record. And uh, humble, he was real humble. Uh, I considered him like my grand grandfather. You know, he was me and him was real tight. And uh, I'm sure a lot of other people, you know, was tight. Wow. With him too. He, he was a uh, he was so humble. You know, to, to as good as he was. And and tell me this, you know, and I know a lot of people know Mr. Billy James and some people don't, but one of the things he is definitely known for was the amount of derbies he won. And what, what that number was that you said he won in derbies? 584 is what he told me. 584. How long was he in game foul? Uh, since the uh, uh, late 50s, I believe, what he said. Wow. So he put in a lot of time and he pr must have been showing like all the time, very consistently, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They had their, uh, they had their own pit and stuff up there close to the house right there, right, right across a little old dirt road. Bruce had a pit there for years. Wow. Uh, all, all the, you know, what they call legends and stuff fought there at that time. A lot of them. Right. It, it, was that still located in Alabama? Yeah, Tuscumbia. Tuscumbia, Alabama. Wow, that is just amazing. So you said you established, obviously, a, a great relationship with Mr. Billy James, and, and that was obviously in your younger years. Um, so so did he become like kind of like your mentor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he taught me about everything I know about chickens and, and about life, too, you know. Right. He always honesty first, you know, anything you do. Right. Right, right, right. So, so tell me this. Um, obviously, you started to get your brood stock and stuff like that from him. Um, you know, kind of like when you all started. You know, how did you start to get your setup and stuff put together? And you know, kind of how how did you start to put your whole little your little farm together that you had? Now that you was getting more deeper and deeper into the game, foul. Well, first pens I ever had, I I just got a roll of war and. And uh, made the round pens. They they look about wasn't much bigger than a, a tomato thing, you know, uh, like they stick tomatoes with. Uh, right. About that big around, you know, which that wasn't no good breaking tail feathers and stuff. It was just a learning thing, you know. And right. then uh, later on, started making. Bruce James had some round pens up there, and I started uh, uh, making them like his, you know. Uh, I right. think it was about thirty nine inches cross you know round all the way around and uh had a piece of uh uh this power line like they run power lines on the bottom to keep them from uh from bending and then you run right. your, run your cedar pole across them and a tin top you know that's the first pins that really i had to put all my stags matter of fact i still got some of them now it's probably about 60 year old Get out of here. You still got some of those old pins, round pins from back then, huh? Yeah, I bought Bruce's. That when Bruce got out, uh, I bought all his pins and his chickens. And his chickens? Yeah. Tell me this, Jay. 
what what made y'all guys? It was any particular reason y'all used the cedar uh, roost in, in, inside the uh, pens? Uh, wouldn't they last longer? Cedar's hard to rot out, you know. Okay, and so y'all y'all kind of for the durability and the time that that it lasts a lot longer than just regular wood. And keep your pen, you know, uh, big big log across it to keep them from blowing over. Right. That with the cedar. So, okay, so now you got you, you got your pens, you start to grow, you're starting to set up. You know, what would you say uh, was your first line of birds that you kind of set on your own, you know, like, that you started? It was your breeding or your decision making when you did the breeding. What, what, you know, how old were you back then and what were they? Uh, let's see. And about uh, probably around 93 or 94 Doc Robinsons. Uh, I still got them. Uh, you still mine, got them, huh? Know. Yeah, yeah, still got them. So, they, so, they just so, Jay, how did you come about those? Huh? I said, how did you come about getting those? Well, I got lucky on it. Uh, uh, Hank Staggs would give Billy a a rooster he'd got from uh, what was his name? I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, okay. comes from the same place Lewis Beard got his from. Uh, guy died, and, and she gave uh, Hank what chickens was left and, and the gas box, what gas was left. And uh, he gave Billy rooster and uh, stuff, and I ended up with the stuff he gave Billy because Billy didn't want to breed it. He said he had good hatch. He didn't need it. So I was just up there one day and seen it, and I knew every chicken he had. And I said, what is that, Billy? And he said, that's Doc Robson stuff. I said, uh, uh, you can have it if you want it. I said, I ain't going to do nothing with it. And I got wow. them, and I just made a family out of them, you know. You made how many? How many was it? Two. Oh, just two, huh? And just you said you made a family out of those. Started from there. Yep. Wow. So that's how you start with your Doc Robin. You said you still have them today, huh? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't be in it if I didn't. What? So what what, the, what what type of birds are they? How they look? What they built like? You know, tell us a little bit about them. They are uh, medium station hatch roosters. Uh, some of them come. When I first got them, they was uh, light necked. But uh, I like a darker rooster. So I just bred to the dark side, you know, and got them coming dark. Okay. And uh, they about uh, five pound, well, four twelve to five five in that range there, and, oh, and uh, okay. they all look about identical. Uh, wow! I got a straight cone, and it I hadn't been getting no straight cone until a few years ago when I bred him. So now I got some of them coming straight cones, you know. So tell me this: How long did it take you to get them to start looking identical? Well, uh, probably about uh, five years to get them about all. About five coming. years, you started getting them. They started looking real uniform. Yeah, started coming out where they just looked about identical. Wow. So, so Jay, tell me this: What type of breeding strategy do you use? You know, brother to sister, father to daughter. You know, mother to son. I started out with that, and then uh, went to son to. Uh, uh, daddy to daughter and then uh, son to mama and then I took uh, a breeding out of that and went back over to old rooster and one back over to old hen and just went from there you know 
And then so later, then it was granddaughter to grandfather and grandson to grandmother. Yeah. And then later on, uh, Mr. Beard, Lewis Beard, gave me a pure dark can to to uh, freshen them up, and that's about all they've had in them. Wow. And you said you had them in the early 90s, huh? Yeah. And you still have them today? Yep, still got them. So that's about 30 years almost, pretty much. 25, almost. 30 Almost 30 years. So, so tell me this, Jay. So how, you know, what, what are some of the things you've been doing? And I know, you know, Mr. Billy James had been around for some time. Um, but what were you doing in that 25 years to kind of keep them, you know, keep them consistent and usable? Uh, this is the same thing I was doing there, just breeding, you know, something there happened. The darn screen went out. I'm sorry about that. For some reason, uh, uh, the the connection just blanked out. Jay, can you go ahead and repeat that over again? Did you lose connection on your end? Yeah, it went, went blank. Oh, it did go blank? Okay, I don't know what that was about. I'm just sitting here looking. Okay, well, we back up, so I'm sorry about that, everybody. Uh, but, but, but Jay, go ahead. You said you're kind of the same thing you have been doing just consistently over and, the uh, last 20 years. Breda, breed like a uncle and niece and you know, so on. Try to stay as far away from them, you know, with the same kin folk as I can, you know. Right, right. So kind of like line breeding, basically. Distance cousins yeah. and that type of stuff. Cousins, uncles, and yeah. Right, Just pick the right. best, you know, best looking rooster out of the bunch and the best looking hen and best acting, you know. And just go from there. Yeah. So so tell me this. So they kind of looking just you said you got them to kind of look consistent after about five years and you have just kept them like that from that point on, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Until I wanted to. I, like I said, a few years back, I had one pop out straight cone out of them. Never had one. And uh, I bred him and now I've got some coming straight cone. So I'm going to try to uh, keep that straight straight cone going, too, you know. Right. So tell me this, the, the ones that's coming out straight comb, uh, besides the comb, do the body and everything kind of still look identical? Yep. Just the head a little different. Got going to have a old ugly head on them. Say <laughs> so have an ugly head on them. That's well, right. tell me this, Jay. So let's start to talk. You know, we got we got a really good idea about your bloodlines and that kind of stuff and kind of how you started, you know, um, the age you started. Um, when you start to get your original brew stock and stuff like that, you know, let's talk a little, let's shift the conversation, talk a little bit about, you know, kind of like your setup, you know, do you have your birds in round pins, square pins, tie cords, you know, kind of how do you, how do you like to keep your birds there at the farm? Well, I like to put the cocks on tie cord and the older stags on tie cord. And, uh, but I usually start out with, uh, up till last year, I didn't have nothing but the round pins. And uh, I'd start them out in the round pins to stags as I catch them up. And then from there, you know, take them, put them on string and uh, our bigger square pins, you know. And uh, now I've got me some of the Mexican pins that I'm working okay. on. And, and uh, I'm going to just uh, probably go straight to the Mexican pins with the stags. With the stags. So now when you catch the stags up, they'll pretty much go to the Mexican pins and then from the Mexican pins to the tie cords. Yeah. What what age do you take do you 
start to take them from the pins to the tie cords? Uh, they probably uh, just when their spurs start getting hard, sometimes they'll be 10, sometimes they'll be 11, 12 months old. Okay, I got you. I got you. So from that point on, so um, you have the uh, you have the stags. You catch them. I obviously let them run as, as free as long as they you can let them run free. Uh, you pin them up. Um, you said you use round pins, but you're going more so towards the square Mexican pins now. Um, and you they move from the Mexican pins out to the tie cords. You said around when their spurs start to get hard, or from the ages of uh, maybe ten months on. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just like the Mexican pins a little better than round pins because it's easy access to get them out and worm them and, and de-louse and stuff like it. Uh, right. They're hard to get out of the round pins. They're a lot hard. It seems like it's like a, a Ferris wheel when you're trying to chase some things about them round pins. Oh, yeah, rolling it over. and, and Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I ain't young as I used to be. I can still get them, but I ain't as quick. That's right. Listen, Jay, there's uh, Ryan York. Uh, asks what are round pins? I put his uh his question up on the screen. I'll let you answer that. Uh, it's just uh, a round. Take your wire and round it until till it ends. Like take your ten ten foot of wire, put it where it connects and wire it together, and put you something at your bottom. Like a like a, I use uh you can use like the uh, plastic pipe, the uh, black pipe for plumbing. Uh, right. Put that on the bottom. Just something to keep it from bending in, because the water right. they make nowadays ain't no count. Uh, right. So something like that, and just a roost pole in it and a tin top. Bend your water over and put your tin top on it. That's that's the way I do them. Got you. Got you. Or the and way you said I that's did, the Mexican I'm, pin. Yeah. Do what? Now, now, Jay, you said that's the Mexican pin, the Mexican style. That's the round pin. That's the round pins. And how about the Mexican pins? They kind of like a drop dropout pin, but bigger, you know, but they they snap together. Uh, right. They come unfolded and you put them together. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I seen thousands of them. But tell me this, Jay, um, what sizes are your pins? Uh, the ones I'm using out there, I think a uh, 40 by 40s, I believe. Okay, uh, okay. 40 by 40s. How tall are they? Uh, probably the same. I hadn't measured, but they look like about uh, 40 inches or four 40. foot, something like that. So 40. Okay. I got you. I mean, I've I seen them, but I know it's people watching that probably never seen them before. Well, so I just want to make sure they get a good idea. They just like the ones uh, Tyler and them have down there at Swift Creek. Yep. Okay. I got you. So yeah, about 40 by 40, something like that. And four, yeah. So 40, 40, 40 is probably what they are. I don't know the exact measurements, but that sound about right. Yeah, we, we was working on getting the bottoms and putting sand in them. We had that flood come through here and, and, and just messed me up pretty bad, you know, uh, about a month and a half ago. Right, right, right. So that I know that was kind of hard. I see uh, Jim Sherlock said that the pins are, are 39 by 39, I guess by 39. So I guess that's the... That's the answer. Ryan, that's your that's your answer to your question. Uh, looks like the Mexican pin size from what Jim uh, Sherlock is saying is uh, 39 by 39. Um, they're very right. common. Yeah, they're very common. A lot of people use them. Um, they snap together. Very, really convenient. And from the ones that I have seen, some of the guys had a pretty strong, too. You know, um, they, they, they seem to be pretty sturdy. 
Um, yeah, it seemed like a couple guys are chiming in with the same thing. So I guess they 39 by 39. So Jay, tell me this. Um, how many do you raise? Uh, how many, how many do you raise say on an average per season? Well, uh, probably around a hundred is for myself, you know, as about all I used to raise, I'd set off four or 500 and end up with a hundred, you know, after you call through right. them and stuff. But, uh, right. now that, uh, I'm selling some, I used to wouldn't sell a feather, but, uh, now that I'm selling some, I'm setting off about 800. About 800. Wow. Okay. I got you. I got you. And it's kind of the same line that you already have been, uh, using. I mean, been same bringing, thing. I, whatever I sell is the same thing that I, that I use for myself when I used them, you know? Right. Right. So Jay, tell me this, uh, now what you set in that mini, um, how, you know, do you use incubators, natural hatch, a combination of both? A uh, combination of both. I use hens and uh, incubator. Uh, all the early okay. ones, mostly incubator. Okay. All the early ones, mostly incubator? Yeah. Okay. So you use a combination of both. So natural hatch and incubating. You said you set off about 800 last season, huh? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So t tell us a little bit about, you know, have you always used ink? Well, probably. I don't know if you, you haven't always used incubators, have you? No, I used to didn't use them at all uh, for myself. You know, the ones I raised for myself was all hen hatched. Right. Uh, but if you're going to sell chickens, I mean, you, you've got to have an incubator. Right, right. I mean, 800 is, is a lot to be doing natural hatch. And then, you you know, I would think your hatch rate and your raising rate will be pretty, I'm not going to say low, but I think it'd be lower than it would be if it was an incubator. Um, yeah. You, if you don't, uh, if you don't use an incubator, you'll, you'll throw as many eggs away before you have a hen setting, you know, as you, right. as you get there at first, you'll, you'll throw right. two or 300 eggs away or more. Right, right. Tell me this, Jake, since, since, you know, you started out, let's just talk a little bit, you know, you have any tips or any advice, you know, with the natural hatching, you know, because like at first you said you raised only, you know, a hundred or something like that at the beginning, doing all kinds of natural, you know, just doing the natural hatching, you know, um, with your natural hatching, you know, did you have a system kind of to it or did you have a particular hinge? You know, I hear all different types of techniques that guys use. They use land hens, taking eggs from here, you know, putting them on the land hen. You know, what kind of concept or methods do you use at your farm? Well, just uh, <clears throat> gather my eggs every day and, uh, and put them up, keep them rotated until I have a hen set and take her eggs away and then put the marked eggs under and let her hatch them. And uh, just because gotcha. she hatches them don't mean she's going to get to raise them. Some of them's just hatching, and then you got some that'll raise them. Some ain't good mamas. Got you. That's a very good point. So, like you say, just because she hatched them, that don't mean she'll raise them. No. Some of them, some of them uh, uh, kill them, you know. And then, then you got some hens that'll take, uh, no matter what color they are, they'll take a, any chick, you know. And that's the ones you want wow. raising them. That's the ones you want raising them. I know we had uh, Sean Cooper on, on, uh, um, and he talked about that's kind of the same thing that he did. You know, he said he would have like sixty or seventy of them little chicks with a hen, and and they actually did pretty good. Yeah, uh, I usually since I've been using the incubator, uh, I use the uh, boxes like Jason Campbell come up with. Okay, uh, 
without the lights in them. Outside, when they're a month old, you put about 40 or 50 to a about a, a three-foot by three-foot box. And, okay. Uh, with a door on it. And uh, I just build the frames and then lay a piece of tin on the top with the uh, blocks on it open the door okay. after they've been in there one day where they know where to go back to at night and the body heat will keep them warm okay so you don't use the lights not not after they're a month old i, I take them out of my brooders and uh, take them and put them in the little little uh wooden houses i call them and, right uh, also use uh uh i didn't know it worked till last year but a older guy was telling him about how to use it without lights he had never done it and instead of building him a box, he cut a 55-gallon drum in half and cut a little doorway in the end, and it works just as good as the boxes. But you have to build you a uh, – take two-by-sixes and build you a frame a little bit bigger than the barrel with uh, just like the wire you use on the bottom of your brooders and right. set that down on that. And uh, just keep it cleaned out from under and put you some feeders, dry feeders on the yard. and You can raise the crap out of them. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, with Swift Creek, that's the, one of the things they had. They had them half barrels. Yeah. It's kind of propped up, set up with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they got it like, I guess, down to a science with that. They said it kind of works out really good. And it's just a, and it's something similar that I've seen in Puerto Rico, but the barrels cut the other way. It's cut you know, this way versus laying down. The ones I see is cut long ways and set down on a grate. In Puerto Rico, I see them stand them straight up, cut them in half. And uh, it's, it's you know, I guess obviously they're using, they, they, they raising less and they put them up on that same grate, but it's just a little bit higher up off the ground and they don't use any lights or anything like that. So I guess that concept kind of works. I always thought about it and that was surprising that you tell me that you didn't use any lights because, you know, uh, I think uh, Tyler and them was the first ones that I seen that didn't use uh, any lights out there in them brooders out, you know, out and about in the fields. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of what the way you doing right now. So you said a month they, after a month they come out the brooders and they go outside to those little houses. Yeah, they go out to to the houses. You just have to watch uh, if you got your your setup too close. Uh, they'll all try to go in one spot at night, you know, and you'll have a hundred or. So trying to go in the same place and, and that ain't too good. You'll have some underneath dead ones, you know, if you don't, you've right. got to spread them out pretty good distance. Right, right, right. So you kind of spread them out. So tell me this. So how long, okay, you don't have them in any type of, uh, they actually just running free. They all return back at the end of the night. You know, they go up in their little brooder things outside with the little houses, as you call them, uh, on outside. So tell me this. You know, how old or when do you start with the worming? You know, what type of feed you start them off with when they're out? You know, let's back it up. Coming out the brood, like what do you feed them in a brooder inside the uh, the barn? Well, when they first come out of the incubator, uh, I give them 24% uh, uh, starter grower. And uh, okay. in their water for seven days, I run LS50 for seven okay. days and then i run a cock city hostess cock city buster comes from rick hurst run it for uh okay. two days and then uh i use uh vinegar in my water about uh okay. four times a week uh, and what type of vinegar uh apple cider apple. vinegar 
Okay. And it don't matter what brand it is. Uh, uh, all apple cider vinegar is about the same. I, I Googled it. it <laughs> they got right. about the same right. rating. I mean, it looks like that Mother's would be the best, but uh, it, it claims on At there the end it of ain't the no day. difference. Right, yeah. exactly. That's what I was about to say. If you Google it, you'll find out. I mean, I don't know. It might be some particular difference, but find I don't know. But it ain't. Yeah. It may be. But if you got eight hundred babies, uh, uh, four dollars a, a little thing to ninety nine cent. That's gonna do the same yep. thing. I'm gonna use the ninety nine yep. cent. I mean, it does, and it's gonna it's work been just doing as great. fine. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what I say. It works just as fine. So, and then, um, uh, then after you do do that will you go from there i mean what's your uh, next step day uh day 14 uh i hit them again with that cock city buster okay and, and then uh at uh then i just used the vinegar and and i do about uh twice a week i give them the uh vitamin pro okay about twice a week yeah and then uh after that uh goes on you know with the vinegar and the vitamin and up until we get up to about a month old, and then I worm them. And then the you worm them. What what worm are you start them off with? I use that. Uh, uh, I can't think of the name of it. It's uh, Rick Hurst sells it. Starts with a B. Uh, okay. Uh, but I Bonestro or so something the, like that. Right. So that's know. the first wormer you start them off with. Yeah, I use it, and then. Uh, at a month old, and then we we uh before I put them out, I run that LS fifty again for five more days, and then okay. they go out in their little houses, and from right. then on, it's just mostly just vinegar in the water every day, and that's about it, you know. And you said you put vinegar in the water every day, huh? About it, yeah. Once I get them out there, yep. Right. So Jay, two things: LS fifty. Why are you putting that in the water? Inside, you know, it, why they still in a brooder, and then well, you know, I'm a, hmm. uh, that's I reckon it's supposed to be for some kind of uh gut infections or whatever to keep okay. them from getting a gut infection. Uh, mm -hmm. since I've been using it, I can tell the difference. You don't have no puny baby chickens or nothing like that using this stuff, you know. Uh, Rick Hurst, uh, one put me on to the, the system that I use, you know, right. Uh, right. And it's working out good, you know, good, healthy chickens. Right, right. And then how about the vinegar? I just, uh, uh, Billy, Billy used to use that and I've seen him use it. So, you know, I've always used it before I even started using any of this other, you know, uh, I reckon it's, it helps with the good, you know, pro probiotics or whatever they call it, right. you know, uh, right, right. Good for their gut. Right. And uh, right. another thing that uh, still use is uh, every now and then the red bark, red oak, uh, bark off a red oak tree. Uh, and I was going to ask you that. So tell us a little bit about that and what you use it for. Well, first time I ever seen it, I was up Billy James and all his waters was just blood red. And I said, uh, mm -hmm. what's wrong with your water there? And he said, uh, he used that uh, bark off the red oak tree for... Uh, for uh, like uh it's supposed to help with like uh any kind of cold a chicken gets uh kind of for their uh bacteria and their gut and all that it's an old indian indian thing you know uh i didn't really know but i, I used it because he did back in you know right right and, uh, 
Right. He didn't use a lot of medicines. He used more of the the old home remedies, you know. Uh, right. Which he didn't have no incubator either. All his were hen hatched, you know, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah, I think, it, you know, from talking with a lot of people, um, I, I think it does make a difference. Um, yeah. You know, again, I, I think it does make a difference. But and I and but I do understand why uh, people use incubators, because, you know, with the amount of some chicks that's, you know, that they're producing, I couldn't imagine them being able to natural hatch that many chicks. And again, I, I have never you know, bred nowhere near that many. So I don't know. But I, I kind of get the concept and understand uh, why. Um, because well, who wants probably. to have, you know, 2000 eggs and, and you only get, you know, 200 out of it because you try to natural hatch them. Yeah. They'll waste. Uh, but, uh, I think the reason them incubator chickens get sick more than a hens do is because you have them all so many confined to a mm-hmm. small area, you know, raising them up till they're ready to go out. Uh, you know, more, more they poop in one area, the more uh infected it gets with uh you know if anything lives in its yep. own bacteria it's going to get sick right. you know and i think that's what yep. more it is uh, yep. the main thing about raising them is keeping your brooders clean and and stuff like that you know uh but even if you did right. keep it clean without these medicines we got today you wouldn't raise half of them that, no, that's right. I think technology plays a big part in being able to produce um, the amount of chickens that that some of the game farms are able to produce a day. And that, that even goes with the human chickens that we consume. You know, they're able to produce a lot more than they was able to produce back in the 80s and the 90s um, with the different technologies, medicines, vitamins and all that kind of stuff. Um, so tell me this. I got a, is a question on here from Joshua Jones. He said, uh, "Do you treat, uh, do you treat for foul pox or anything like that?" No, I don't do no vaccinating. Uh, uh, last time we vaccinated uh, with that uh, Myrick's disease, we had more mm-hmm. get it, you know, than I'd ever seen. Me and Billy both uh, vaccinated. That's the year we had trouble with it, so we never did vaccinate no more I, I don't have much trouble with that stuff right 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 and, uh, that, that's the right pox, okay the pox disease the way you get pox is letting your water get stagnated is is you know i've had it uh three or four times since i've been in chicken and it's from uh mosquitoes mostly is where i think it comes from as long as you keep your right. water pretty well clean and stuff you shouldn't have no trouble with it Right, uh, right. So you don't do bring any vaccinated, in, you know. Right. People visit your right. yard, bring them diseases to your yard. Mm-hmm. So tell me this now that you say that, you know, um, and and it's funny that you said it, is considering I guess half the country's in quarantine. But if you ever bring chickens to your farm, because that's a very good question. I mean, that's a very good point you made. If you when you if, if you ever did bring chickens to your farm, would you kind of separate them? for a little bit or you just only would get chickens from somebody you know how they're raising their chickens well anytime you bring one in there uh he might not even be showing no symptoms and and, and might be carrying something you know so if mm-hmm. i did i'd put him way away from anything but i, I don't plan on getting no chickens from nowhere else that's right know? uh right. if i hadn't had what i got I, I i'd get out of it 
That's right. I got you. No, I, I, can, I completely understand that because, you know, like I say, those are very valid points. And I ask that question because I know a lot of times, especially the guys getting started, they're out here buying, you know, brood stock from one place, maybe brood stock from another place, maybe a stag from another place and maybe trying to give them some ideas. You know, if they are doing that, they need to kind of be cautious um, about bringing birds from all different places to the yard. And then also to, you know, really look at where they're coming from. You know, yeah. what's the conditions that they're leaving before you bring them to your yard? Because it's, you know, maybe a greater chance that uh, you might be bringing something to your yard that you don't want to be bringing there besides yeah. that bird. A lot of that uh, where people think they got Myers disease is just from old, overfeeding their chickens and them eating molded feed. It, it gets the same symptoms as a Myers disease, and it's just from overfeeding your chickens and, and the, the feed getting, you know, moldy and them finding old moldy feed it, it it's uh gut gut irritation and then and then they get so weak they fall over and then you know that's what happens to them you know overfeeding can cause you to think you've got myrix disease right and eating moldy food because that's one of the things i dealt with um after the storm in puerto rico and a lot of people did because you know the feed stores was closed and the humidity over there is so high you know, even with you trying to stock up with feed when you knew the hurricane was coming, it didn't matter because the feed wasn't no good. And about a week after the storm, the feed wasn't no good. You know what I mean? And and I lost a lot of birds, not from the storm, but actually after the storm because of that moldy feed. And I was feeding it and didn't even know it was molded. So my birds started acting all like, you know, the necks was crook and just falling off and sick out of nowhere. Like, why did that bird get sick? It was fine. And yeah. that's what it was. I dug through my feed. I actually made a video about it, posted it on YouTube. I dug through my feed and video cameraed it and didn't even realize that I had been feeding my birds moldy feed. But I had thought, hey, I just bought this feed last week, but it didn't matter. I had to throw a couple barrels of feed, uh, uh, barrels that hadn't been here but a couple couple weeks. Uh, uh, when we loaded the feed, the barrels was damp. You know, you better make sure your barrels are dry before you put your feed in there. Uh, that's right yeah we uh one thing kills more chickens than anything does is moldy feed especially that starter if it ever gets uh molded you, you've done killed that bunch yeah that's no that's that's a very very valid point and i'm telling you i was lost and it was one broodcock i had just purchased and uh i had posted a picture on my instagram this was years ago and just like i said out of nowhere went out there and i'm like why is the bird acting like this he just like couldn't even stand, wouldn't stand up, kept squatting down to the ground, couldn't get him to stand up. And I was like, I know I don't have anything in my yard. It's not nasty. Everything is clean. What's going on? And like I say, come to find out, stuck my hand in that thing. And before you know it, they just start dropping off. You know, that's the thing about it. They had all had eight to feed and they just they just start dropping off, man. It was about 10 of them um, all end up dying. I learned my lesson with that uh, moldy feed when I about first got in it. When I raised my first chickens, uh, uh, my incubator chickens, uh, I Billy had an old camper set up up there with a piece of wood on the ground with uh, uh, what is them called uh, oyster shells on the bottom. He'd raise a bunch every year in it, you know, early ones. Right. And, uh, He'd hatch them with a hen and put them in there a bunch at once with lights, you know, when it was cold out. But uh, I was going to do the same thing, and I got me a camper, but I, I didn't know he had the wood on the bottom. And I, I just right. started throwing my feed in there on top of them oyster shells. And uh, 
didn't know no better and just kept throwing the feed. I killed about 200 there, you know, they was healthy for about four days and then they just started getting sick and falling over, you know. And it wow. was that moldy feed. So wow. That's one thing, if you're raising chickens, you better keep the feed up off the ground, especially for the babies, you know. That's right. No, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I learned my lesson. I learned it the hard way. And it seemed like it always killed, if not a, a lot, it always killed, a, you know, the, mo the most important ones. you like, man, yeah. you know, I... <laughs> you know, it's just like, man, I cannot believe that one. And and then when you sit back and realize that it was something that was so, so preventable. Um, but again, that's something that's very overlooked. You know, guys just really don't focus too much on a feed based on the time. Or oh, I just got it. It's not a big deal. You know, it should be good. So they start looking for all these other reasons. And a lot of times it ain't nothing but that feed. You know, yeah, look at that feed. Sometimes they harvest the feed. Uh, last year, a lot of people was having trouble with the same thing you was having, and, and it was uh, where they'd harvest the feed up too soon, you know. It was still green. Right, and right. That'll do the same thing. It causes the greens and stuff, you know. And if you don't catch it right off and do something about it, it's going to take him on out pretty quick, you know. Yep, you got that right. You got uh, that exactly. It's something I had kind of – that was like one of the first issues I had – um got with uh, Rick Hurst about is when, when it first happened. But like I said, it was done. It was a done deal then. I couldn't get no more feed anyway. All yeah. the feed stores were shut down. So If you feed your chickens every day yourself, you you know uh, if something's wrong with a chicken. If he's leaving a little feed that he ain't leaving, you need to get him out right now and, and check, see what's the matter with him. There's something wrong with him. And if you can That's catch right. him, just stop eating and it's the greens, Pepto-Bismol or knock it out. Pepto-Bismol, huh? Yeah, Pepto-Bismol. Wow, so tell me this. How much of a, pep uh, a Pepto you give them? That's the first time I ever heard that. Oh, uh, put about three cc's down their throat uh, for about three days. And it'll clean it right out, huh? Clean it out if you catch it in time, you know. Uh, now, if you done let him get out there and eat it where it's done eat his guts up, and he, he's got a pile of feed laying out there, uh, right. you know, pile after pile, you you, you too late. But uh, like I said, if you, you know your chicken and he ain't acting like himself, you know, there's something wrong with him. You need to stop, put your feed bucket down and check him, you know. That's right. That's right. That, 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 that is one of the things, like I say, with the 362. I always tell guys, man, if you get that 362 right, you know, those last three days, you should pretty much know what to do because you should have a grave understanding of how that bird act, walk, crow, poop, how much water he drink. You should know everything. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I know some that's people right. may say, nah, 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 nah. But I'm like, man, if you truly put in that 362, you just said the same identical thing. If you going through there, you should know if something wrong with that bird. If he left oh, yeah. too much, you know too much food in a couple whatever the case is you should know something yeah you you get people want to help you to feed and stuff sometimes it's mm -hmm. better off to do it yourself because uh, a lot of them are run through there and feed and then they don't think they gotta have no water i think you know you better right. go back behind them i mean yeah <laughs> they can go without feed for a few days but they've got to have that water you know they gotta have that water and i can tell you one thing that's another great point you made. You can't let everybody feed your birds. Mm -mm. I can tell you that right now. You can't let everybody feed them because a lot of time they feed them too much from what I experienced. They'll feed them too much 
And is I don't know if it's because they say, "Well, I fed him. You told me to feed him, so I fed him." But yeah, it's, you know, it's not just going out there to throw food out there. It's like if you still see a whole bunch of food on the ground, then you feed them too much. You know, if right. all that stuff should be cleaned up quick. They should have it cleaned up quick. They should have it cleaned up quick. And if you keep throwing it out there, that's where you get that moldy feed. You know, especially if you feed them off the ground. I fed my birds in a cup, but still, even when they're eating in a cup, they banging it. You know, so some of the stuff is falling inside the, the cage. And then again, you got to be careful of that. You, know, you got to be very careful of that. You got to be more careful around here in Alabama as much rain as we have. And, you know, uh, uh, one guy I know, uh, he's got a pretty good way he does it. I don't do it, but uh, it seems like I might try it because it's a pretty good idea. He uses uh, – a potted meat can one day. Next can he uses a Vianer can, you know, keeps them hungry. Uh, so he rotate, huh? Yeah. Which so me, I just use my hand. A... I use my hand. Right. I know about every chicken out there, about how much they eat, you know, I, I watch. Right, right. So he rotates them, huh? Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. So one day he's giving about four ounces. The next day he's giving about three ounces. The next day giving about four ounces. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. It seemed like it to me when he was telling me about it. I hadn't tried it yet, but like I said, I'm always willing to try something new, you know. Well, you know, that that's great, Jay, that you got an open mind because some people just kind of get stuck in their ways. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, you got to evolve or you're going to fall behind. I can tell you that now. Because everything yeah. is faster, stronger, bigger, and better as time go on. And it's, it's a reason why. It's yeah, a reason chickens, why. Chickens has got better uh, from what I've seen, you know, uh, from years back. They have, huh? That's a great topic. Let's just talk about that just a tad bit. Um, you know, we can go back. So so tell me, now that you made that, that statement, you do feel as though chickens, as far as on a, you know, show breeding confirmation and stuff like that they're, they're a lot better today than they were back then huh they, they seem like they're a lot faster you know and uh and get it done pretty quick which uh when they start doing that some of them get away from the game that's that's you know but uh it all comes with it you you got to try to breed something that can hang in there with that speed and and all that you know right. that that will stay there with you and that's right. that's that's what it's all about you know Trying to raise that perfect chicken. Exactly. That's what everybody's chasing. Everybody and everybody got their own preference, their own, you know, their own methods and concepts of getting there. But at the end of the day, we all trying to breed that perfect chicken. So tell me this. Do you think the birds are stronger? You know, do you think that's a result of genetics or a combination of the technology with the better feed or what? I what I say more is is that they cut better. And, and they're a little mm -hmm. faster, you know, is what I say. I, I don't think they're no stronger, but I think mm -hmm. they, they, they're getting faster, you know. They have been for years. So that's probably more so genetics, huh? Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I, I tell you, that's that's amazing because that's always a, you know, that's always like a hot topic. You know, you have older school guys like, nah, these birds ain't no better. The ones we had back in the day with this, that, this, that, and some guys said, no, nah, these ones they got today is better than the ones of the yesteryear. Well, some of them um, had you said them. That you, some of them had them, but uh -huh. everybody didn't. Now it's got where about everybody has them, you know. <laughs> you know, just back, you know, 20 years ago or maybe just 10 years ago, uh, just certain few was at the pay window, you know. Uh, 
But now, like, right. be anybody up there, you know. You got that right. I tell you what. I tell you what. There's a lot of good birds today. Give me one second. There's a lot of good birds today. Um, I'm sorry. I was talking to my granddaughter. Um, it's a lot of good birds today. And like you say, back then, it was just a handful of people that had good birds. Yeah. Now, it seemed like that the, the question is not if you can get good birds. Can you maintain good birds? It seems like that's the challenge of today because everybody can go out and buy good birds. But it seems like after a couple seasons, it don't look nothing like what they bought three seasons ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, a lot of that's like you, like your program's about. It's the care of them. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the man they got them from probably took a little better care than what they do. You know, on the off season, they got these off season chicken men. You know, that just when the season's <laughs> in, they take real good care of them chickens but uh it gets summertime it's too hot to go out there and get that water we, we get that when it cools off let him do without for 10 hours you know and you yep. can't do that you know yep. uh, causes broken legs and and just all kind of problems you know uh they need access to the water 24 hours if they want it you know right. that's right and, and that's what that's it right. is it's uh, uh a lot of these people that complain because they can't win like this other guy ain't putting the work in like this other guy you know that's right that's exact jay i'm telling you right now you are preaching to the choir and you 1000 percent correct and that is the reason why the program is called 362 because for decades everybody just wanted to highlight those trophies i'm like listen it's a reason why somebody keep getting them trophies and there's a reason why you ain't getting them trophies and i'm telling you the big difference is is that 362 it ain't no tricks and medicine and pops this and that and all that. That is all gimmicks, man. That yeah. is all gimmicks. Yeah, might well go to the fair if you want to get uh, beat out of your money. <laughs> I always say you put in that 362, you know, when you don't come home with a big smile on your face. And you ain't got to come home with a trophy because you still can come home proud. You know, you ain't got to come home with a trophy. You still can come home proud. But I can tell you right now, if you want to get closer to that trophy – you got to evaluate that what you're doing in them 362 days. Them hot days when you said it's too hot, the minus 11 degrees out there when you don't feel like busting them water cups, that is where your chances are made in that time frame. Not in yep. the last three because you already proved you gave your birds pop popcorn. You didn't know no better. You gave them pop popcorn, whole milk. Now, all that stuff you gave them, people tell you, no, nah, that's a lie. You ain't give him all that because you wouldn't perform like that if you gave him all that. But you did. That's exactly what they told me down there when they asked me. Said, "What did I? How did you get them like that? You know?" And I told them about popping the popcorn stuff. You know, oh, you lying to me. You just don't want to give your secret out. Hell, that is the secret. You know, pop <laughs> some popcorn track. But uh, no, nah, it, it it didn't have nothing to do with that. It's just some days is your day, and them old chickens was healthy. I, I can say one thing: the people I got them from had took good care of them. You know, they was healthy chickens. That's it. That's it. That's that's it. I can tell you right now, I have seen more healthy chickens win than I seen propped up. I call them propped up chickens. You know, I have seen more healthy chickens win than propped up chickens. And I will tell you another thing: I have seen more healthy chickens win that wasn't even pointed correctly. But they still won. And I don't mean they won by luck. They just brap, went in the fly, anything like that. They actually earned it. That health, I am a stickler for health. That health go a long way. Because I have seen a lot of birds that didn't have the ability, but they had the durability. 
they were healthy, so they was able to take it and they able to stay in there. That other one was fly, 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 boom, 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 boom. But after a while, you can tell that health, that lack of health start kicking in, and then you can tell. You know, you can also tell in the recovery, too. When them birds ain't healthy, they don't recover real good. Yeah. Uh, you, if they ain't healthy, you're going the wrong way with it for sure. And that's the yep. main thing is having them healthy, you know. And uh, yep. that's the reason a lot of these younger guys is 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 on the hill. These older guys because they they got all mm-hmm. that energy, you know, and that's all they got on right. their mind, and they going somewhere because they putting the work right. in, you know. That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, that's that's, a great that's point. the way I, I mean, came that, that's up. Exactly right. The way I <laughs> came up, you know, fast as I did because I put in the work, you know. I yep. I come in from work. I change my water with a flashlight, and uh, and and I put the work in, and and that's all it takes. Which you got to have good brood stuff, and uh, right. You I mean you got to have somewhere to start from, but if you've got right. good brood stuff and you take a one care of it, there's no reason you shouldn't be up there with anybody in the country. That's exactly right. I totally, totally agree because I have seen healthy birds win when people thought they didn't have a chance because they lack of ability, they lack of this, a lack of that. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now what won that. That bird was healthy. And I'm telling you, it's hard to beat a healthy one. It's hard to beat a healthy one. You don't see too much of a difference when both of them are healthy. But when you got one that only had that 90 days of health care and then you got this one that had them 362 days of health care, I promise you. That one with the 90 days better get it in the fly because if he don't get it in the fly, he ain't going to get it. His chance well, is going to be diminished. That could be the reason I'm saying more speed and, and, and you know, harder fighting chickens is because of uh, the healthiness of the chickens. You know, people's mm-hmm. got access to information yep. to know yep. what to do with a chicken. Where when I came up, you know, nobody wouldn't tell you nothing. You figured it out until you met somebody that would tell you a little something, you know. That's, and, uh, that's exactly right. But the internet, you know, uh, they can get on there and get all the information they want, but they got to watch where to get it from because they might get some. Because, you know, this sport all of here it ain't is, good. Well, this sport here, ever since I've been here, it's the only thing I don't like about it is the jealousy and envy of it, you know. Uh, uh, folks be gentleman sport and that. Uh, and and most most people don't want to see another man come up, you know. Uh, yep. They want you to come up, but not to the top of the ladder where they at, you know. That's right. Like my mother always say, they want you to do good. They just don't want you to do better than them. Right. And that's 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 that that's that line. That's that teetering line right there. I want you to do good. I just don't want you to do better than me because you know. And, and we see it kind of like in. You know, this sport, you definitely see it firsthand. You know, we don't, we, you know, we kind of see it in other elite sports, basketball and all that kind of stuff and boxing. Everybody love them as they coming out of high school, going straight into the NBA. Everybody's cheering them on. This guy's amazing. As soon as he get up there and become too good, then they're like, oh, he's not as good as such and such from back then and such and such. I'm like, hold on. This is the same guy you was cheerleading and rooting on straight out of high school. Now he's in the NBA. Now he's breaking records. Now, all of a sudden, he's not that cool anymore. And I see the same thing in game foul. You know, when, it, when you're struggling, when you're spending money, you're buying stuff from them, they'll tell you what you need to hear. As soon as you produce the stuff just as good as what they had, even though it came from them, their yard is based on your yard, but they're doing just as good or maybe even better, then it just seems like a whole different attitude is towards them. It's just yeah. crazy. It is. It's, it's, it's so much jealousy in this, and, and the thing about it, uh, 
that's the, really the best thing about this sport is I've, I've met some of the best people that I've ever met through this, you know, and, and that I wouldn't have met because of a chicken, you know. Uh, right. I mean, it's, it's some good people. And uh, Right. That's but exactly right. That's the truth. It, I have met some good people. But it's not uh, – a lot of people think this is just a big money thing, you know, and and, and for me, it ain't about the money. It's about the people, right. you know, and right. the friendships. Yep, uh, the relationships uh, and the memories that you create. Right, because uh, uh, like Billy James said, you ain't going to get rich doing this. I mean, he right. uh, and feeds you ain't. too high and looks too bad. <laughs> 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 what did he say, Jay? He said the feed's too high and your luck's too bad, huh? That's right, yeah. You, you <laughs> feed's too high and your luck's too bad. That's he said that on his uh, interview. You know, Keith May's done that energy interview for yeah. I Billy seen it. James. I watched. It. I got it sitting right here. Yep. And, uh, he done a great job on it, and and that's what he said. He said for anybody that's wanting to get in this, said don't get in it for the money because he, he, you know, right. as long as he'd been doing, it, he said I ain't never made no money at this. Uh, right. And he 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 sold chickens, you know, to about anybody. He wouldn't hardly turn nobody down for chickens. Uh, Right. At the end of the year, uh, Johnny Jumper used to buy everything he would let go, you know. Uh, and a lot of the other ones would buy wow. from him. Uh, that's right. the way it, way it went. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, not to change subject, but Billy uh, let Johnny have one of the roasters was a, a claret hatch. They, they had raised 11 of them, 172 fights with them. They let Doc Robertson have one of them, and uh, they let uh, Johnny Jumper, I think, got the rest of them. He took them over to that President Marco, and at that time, they said that was the most money bet on one chicken in the Philippines had ever been bet, you know, in the 70s. Wow. And uh, I wow. think he said uh, a guy called Bruce from over and told him he, he just got one wing feather cut out and said they uh, – fixed it put it back in there and glued it in that's all he got out and of that's it. it yeah one wing feather and uh wow, I think, that is amazing yeah so 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 tell me this tell me this jay you know um and, and and those are some very valid points and i hope that a lot of people that's watching this you know, pay a lot of attention. I know some of the people that's watching us already know the stuff that we had just talked about, but I think those are some very valid points that you made coming through, and it kind of just reconfirms what we already know. Health, 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 health. It cannot be exaggerated. It cannot be drilled, you know, more than what we drill in it. The fact of the matter is you got to have healthy birds. It doesn't matter what farm you buy them from, what bloodline you have, what cross you did, because it seems like a lot of times, you know, all of those things are more important than a health. I mean, it's amazing when I travel, you hear conver you have conversations about so much stuff, but very little conversation about healthy chickens. You know, you have about, you know, style and built and station and bloodlines and crosses and all of this. But you don't really uh you know you don't really hear people talking about a lot of things when it comes to the health. And I see a lot of times over my years with my own eyes a lot of guys can be better than what they are if they spent more time during a year taking care of those chickens. Well, talking about, you know, uh, 
breeders and things like that you know you you like to get your chickens from anybody but if you ha if they have one of them chickens run off it's automatically that breeder's problem which he of ain't course. had none running no it ain't from right. a breeder more than you know most of the time it's from because they didn't take care of the chicken property and it yep. don't matter what chicken it is if it's not healthy it's subject to quit yep yeah that i uh, listen i i like i say i see i see it all I see it all and I hear it all. I hear all the excuses and everything that come with it. I had posted something some time ago saying blaming a breeder ain't the solution. You know, a lot of times it is not the solution. Blaming a breeder, a lot of times it's not the solution. You got to evaluate that 362 before you even talk about all the rest of that stuff that you that you think may be the problem. Like me on my waters and stuff. You see all these guys talking about they change them waters every day, you know. Uh, I can't change my waters every day. I change my water one time a week, you know, and I add right. to it during the week. Now I change it on Sundays, every Sunday, you know, and 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 try to keep them as clean as I can. If something, you know, one right. poops in it, we'll pour it out and change that. But it's got to wait till right. the week because I've got a job, you know. I can't go out right. there and change all them waters, you know. Uh, matter of fact, reason I, long as they got clean of water. For a chicken to drink, you pour it out, they'll drink it off the ground, you know, before they will out that right. new one. But, uh, no, that's right. Billy, uh, when I was young, we done a test on that. That's back when it was legal, and I was I was winning a lot. And uh, mm -hmm. and I went up Billy's one night, and uh, Billy said, what have you been doing? I said, I just got done changing all my waters with a flashlight, you know. I do it every day when I come in when I was younger. Right. And, uh, roof all day and I wouldn't get in after dark and I'd change them waters and uh, I don't know why because they can't drink water at night but I did and he said what are you doing that for I said well uh, everybody says change them every day so I've been winning and I don't want you know I want to stay winning and he said well let's do a little right. uh, test on that he said let them waters go for about a week and see if it makes any difference on your winnings you know and uh, it didn't it didn't make, as long as they had drinkable water, I'm not talking about stagnated water and stuff, you know, as right. long as you change that water once a week and uh, you don't have a lot of mosquitoes, you might have to change it a little more in the summertime, you know, uh, mosquito try to right. get in it, but uh, Clorox, right. uh, uh, a cap of Clorox and a gallon of water will take care of that for a while, you know. But uh, right. about once a week on the waters, I uh, couldn't tell no difference. Now, Billy, he, he wasn't much on changing his waters at all and, and look what he done you know he he right. was uh william mcray told billy uh come up there and billy's waters was so clean he asked him said why is your water so clean now this is when billy was younger in his 30s and he said uh you know he's keeping them clean he said well you're going wrong about it said leave that uh let it get that little green stuff on the side of the tar because they use tars he said that was penicillin for them chickens that uh algae Hmm. Wow. So Which he I let him get let, let the allergy build up in him, huh? Yeah, and that that was from William McRae. See, uh, uh, Billy said William McRae uh, tried to give him a house and everything to come up there just to take care of his chicken. Told him quit that job, move up there, and he'd let him have a brick house and stuff, take care of them chickens. Wow. Well, Mister Billy James said, "Nah, he good. We at, huh?" Yeah, that's right. He, he worked. Uh, Billy worked like three jobs. You know, he's he's logging and uh, uh, worked at a plant and done his gardening. 
Uh, sold fruit wow. and vegetables. Get yeah. at and so and did the chicken game. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a hard worker, he, and and even up in his older age, the doctor told him, you know, said them chickens was all that was keeping him alive. You know, he said, you sit down, get rid of them chicken. You sit down. He was eighty something. You know, he said, you sit down. Said you won't live six months. Yep. Yeah, that's what, that's what I tell you. Terry Shaw was talking about the same thing. He said them chickens keep him alive. Those chickens well, definitely keep him alive. Well, they'll keep you in shape. So, so Jay, yeah, they keep you in shape and give you some joy, some happiness. I think that's one of the biggest things that these chickens get is giving you that happiness, that joy of going out there, looking at what you produce, you know, feeding them, caring for them, just even looking at them, just watching them. Yeah, that's that's the best part of me is seeing what, what the turnout is, you know. Take good care of them, see how they turn out at the end, you know, when they pinned and that's so right. forth. That's right. Well, Jay, tell me this. I just want to talk a little bit about um, your 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 brew brew pens. We already know where you pretty much got your bird from, the lines of birds that you breed and stuff like that, you know. And and you said that you know typically the concept that the method that you use with the breeding, you do some inbreeding and some line breeding. Is it how do you pick your brood stock? I know you said you know you put the best looking stag, you know, but to you, what is the best looking stag? You know, what are you looking for? Well, on, on my hatch chicken, I'm looking for a wide back. I, I don't want no squirrel tails, you know, tails that stick way up here. I want a nice tail, and uh, I want good uh, wing wing length on them. You know, don't want okay. wings dragging, but you want good size wings. And your back and your wings where you get your power from. So right. you, want, you want to try to, on your hatch chicken, breed that. And you want a good station one. But... Uh, Really, uh, a lot to do with that uh, station and stuff is, like I said, time of year you hatch them off, you know. You right. get them off early, you get a taller rooster, you know. Right. Uh, I, seen Billy, mm-hmm. I seen Billy raise uh, some six-pound roasters out of a 314 cock. What? Yeah. He, he sold his hatch chickens one time and, and had to go back to a man, the only man that had some that he could get some back. You know, the man bought them all, said he wouldn't buy none unless he bought everything Billy had, every hen, every rooster. He wanted all them. When he loaded them up, he looked at Billy and said, uh, you won't whoop me no more with these hatch chickens because he got them all, you know. <laughs> and Billy had uh, six hens down on a walk. Said as soon as that man left, he went and got them six hens off a walk and uh, went over to a buddy of his house that had a late hatch uh, stag. And he got that late hash stag and, and bred them nearly six-pound roasters out of a 315, 314 cock. Thing didn't have no legs no longer than your fingers. The brood cock didn't. What? So, wow. Uh, it, it's got a lot. The station has got a, the, as far as the tallness and stuff, it's got a lot to do with the time of the year. You, you get a late hatched and, you know, and. And he's gonna be smaller than that one hatched off in January out of the same brood pen. That's right. That's that's exactly right. That's that's exactly right. Well, and listen, that's that's um. So you kind of walked us through a lot, man. It's just been amazing. Um, you know your whole journey when you when you first started out. I guess you didn't probably. Well, I guess you felt felt as though you were in love with the chickens, but you didn't know you'd be carrying these chickens on this long. Would have been about thirty some years, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's been 
long time. It's uh, probably over 30 years. Wow. Uh, I've enjoyed it. And like I said, the, the people that I've met, that, that's what's been the best thing out of it. You know, uh, I, I've got friends, you know, that I if I hadn't had a chicken and, and, and messing with a chicken in some type of way, I, I wouldn't have never met them, you know. That's right. That's right. That's and, that's exactly. And most right. of the chicken people are are pretty honest, you know. Hey, some out there to fool you, you just got to be a good judge of character. And uh, but majority uh, are good people, you know. Uh, yes. It's just them few that's in it for just the money. That's the ones you got to watch out for. Yeah, and I agree with you a hundred percent. And the other thing is too, it seems like we give those ones way too much attention. I mean, way too much. Uh, you know, we highlight those ones way too much, and it kind of makes it seem like there's more of them than it actually is. That's the way I look at it. You know, yeah. uh, do find them bad. When it is those bad ones, it's like a bullhorn, you know, and then uh, it makes people think that, well, that's the representation of the sport because look at this right here. And I'm like, nah, that's not actually the representation of the sport. That's just the one that got all the attention. That's not how we are. No, and uh far as uh, this guy having the best chickens or, or me having the best chickens or whatever, ain't nobody got the best chickens. It's just certain brood pens that one feller might have that throws the good and Just because you get his line don't mean you getting the best chickens. It might just that's be right. that one brood that's pen exactly. throwing them aces, you know. Uh, that's the reason you have to have more than one pen of each right. kind to figure out, you know, single mate and stuff, to figure out where, where that good stuff is coming from. That's exactly right. So, so you do single mate, huh? Yeah, that's, that's about all I'm doing this year. I've just got a bunch of single mate pens. I've got some pens. Okay, all you're doing is single mating, huh? Right. What's the name? It's my my connection. I don't know what's going on. My connection is just kind of low on my end, and it's kind of dragging the video just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. Um, okay, Jay, so I want to ask you about that. So do you always typically single single mate or just sometimes you single mate when you're looking for a particular? Well, this year I'm trying to find out which which one throw them aces out of the pens I had together, you know, uh, season before. Let's let's see where that good one's come from, and we won't have to feed that other, and we'll, we'll put her over setting eggs or something, you know. Ain't no native right. breeding one that just right. throws an uh, average. Right. Uh, that, right. That so that's, that's a good more culling. Yep, just make for more culling. More culling and more feeding because you're typically feeding for a while before you cull them. So right. that's 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 why I guess, like you say, you look a season before, you look back and say, hey, these came out of these brew pen, but now I need to find out exactly what hen they came from, huh? Yeah, and that, that's, the, that's the hen right there that you want keep your line going with mm -hmm. that's exactly right that's exactly right so well i tell you jay man it's been some uh, very uh educational information it's been some great information too man and and we love to hear you know those backstories especially about mr billy james when we're gonna have doug come on um i guess he's he has some back surgery or something like that but he's gonna come on too to kind of talk a little bit about mr billy james uh also um his history and stuff like that uh, with him but man we appreciate you coming on tonight man i think uh we got an earful it looks like we probably had almost uh 
the two hour mark, an hour and 45 minutes. Like I tell you, this time go by. You know, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. Interviews done and under hour. I tell people all the time, it's going to be over an hour. So charge up your phones. I can tell you right now because it, I won't be surprised if it's two hours. Well, but uh, we, we probably an hour. Talking chickens, Jim. <laughs> yeah, talking exactly. Chicken. When you start you can sit here forever. <laughs> you can sit yeah. here forever. I, I sent him in eight-hour sessions. Up, Billy's up under the shade tree listening. Exactly. And and it never got old, did it? No, even though I'd hear some of the same stories over and over again, you know, it, it never got old. I mean, it was all history because he, he was with all the, you know, the, the greats, they call them, you know. That's right. That's right. And I think that history is very, very important to be told. Like I told you earlier, you know, we need to tell that history because it's a lot of, you know, a lot of cockers of today, a lot of game fire breeders of today didn't have the opportunity to be back there, you know, during those days. So I think it's very interesting, entertaining to be able to listen to that history and, and know what those guys was doing back then. It kind of give you something to look for today, you know, to kind of yeah. see how they did things back then. It's like, wow. Well, everybody needs to act accordingly because there's somebody somewhere looking looking up to you, you know, so you need to act right. That's right. You got that. You got that so right, Jay. So listen, tell me this, Jay. Is there anything before we close out this show, um, some words of advice or, or something like that to some new game fire breeders out there today that you would kind of suggest or you would at least like to see in a sport to, you know, keep it moving in the right direction? I just, uh, if you can, find somebody out there that knows what they're doing and, and, and help them out, and, and maybe they'll help you out with some tips, you know. Uh, you've got to put the work in yourself, but, I mean, they can head you in the right direction. And right. Uh, start out with good brood stuff and, and put the work in, and you should be right up there with everybody else. That's right. That's right. So you, that 362 is that uh that brood stock purchase is 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 your main that's your your first thing is, is get your brood stock but don't just take a man's word for it go watch him you know right don't go for no one hit wonder get that man right. with consistently you know he may right. not win every one of them but the man that uh real consistent and shows that that's where you want to get your stuff that's right. You got that right. You got that right. So, Jay, listen, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on, taking the time with us tonight, giving us some history, um, a lot of great information. Um, you mentioned some things, you know, kind of where you get your vitamins from and what kind of system you run and stuff like that. And I think all of that is extremely important because it's always something that you can learn from somebody. Um you know, and, and I'm pretty sure you have learned and changed your methods as time went on, starting off from a few and now hatching out 800. It's a lot. Of, I know you had a learning curve throughout that process. And you learned a lot of do's and don'ts. And you talked about a lot of that stuff tonight, which, like I said, I greatly appreciate that. Because, again, you know, it's always something that you can learn from somebody who's actually doing it. Um, so with that said, man, you know, I again, I thank you for coming on tonight sharing your story, sharing your history, sharing all this unfiltered information that you have put out there. Um, again, this information wasn't available back when you was growing up. So you can really appreciate the value that somebody can get from just sitting here watching this stuff. So, um, but other than that, man, like I said, we'll go ahead and close the show out tomorrow. Guys, we'll be having Mr. Don Lester on. We're going to be here at the same place, same time, nine o'clock. This is going to be part two of Don Lester's uh, interview. Uh, he did one probably eight months, eight or nine months ago, but he'll be coming on tomorrow, 9 p.m. on Journey to the Pit page again. 
Um, and other than that, Mr. J, good night. I greatly appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Shout out to Ben Melton down in Mississippi. I hear you, Mr. Ben Melton. Shout out to Mr. Ben Melton down in Mississippi. Yeah, we he said you, put bro. me a shout out on there. I don't forget <laughs> nothing. Well, you gave me a shout out, man. Well, Jay, you have a good evening, brother, and I'll be talking to you soon, man. And thanks again. Yeah, Jim, y'all have a good one. All righty, brother. All right. All right, bye-bye.